It's a podcast. The podcast. Hosted by Lee Michael and Robbie. All right, yeah, podcast, podcast, Lee Robbie. We we don't have time Brought for pleasure. to you by my yeast infection. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't you dare blame that on us sharing a toilet for a week. <laughs> it's probably fine. I I wouldn't worry about it. You got a yeast infection? No. In your ass? In my fucking butt. In your bussy? <laughs> I got an anal. I got a yeast infection right in my bussy. <laughs> <laughs> that yeast be bussing. Um, <laughs> bussing, bussing. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Time for some quarantine sourdough. Um, oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Skittles. That's right, baby. It's fucking back. Lime Skittles, motherfucker. Oh, fuck. Really? They're back. Introducing the Skittles all new all lime bag of Skittles. (laughs) I was going to say oops, all lime. Oops, all lime. Yeah, they did it. They said it couldn't be done. They did it. They did it. After eight fucking years, they brought back the lime flavor. I didn't know it was gone. Because guess what? Uh, I will argue that you can't taste any fucking flavors of Skittles. Oh, you absolutely can. They replaced oh. it with uh, apple and it was garbage. Oh, okay. Maybe I haven't had Skittles in years. It was but... bullshit. Did you know that the idea of Skittles is that you pair like two of them together at a time so you can make your own flavor combinations? I mean, I didn't know that was the intent. You, yeah, I mean, I would intent. always like, eat them by the handful anyway. I would. What would you like? Eat them individually, one at a time? No, you're supposed to eat like. Uh... No, no, I, I. But is that what you did or something? No, I just. You say it whole... as if this was like a revelation this or something. I, like you were going how... through eating one individual skittle at a time, like some kind no. of psychopath. No, well, first I categorize them by color. Right, right. Uh, and then I separate them, and then I arrange that by quantity of each color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll eat them from smallest amount to greatest amount right. of each color. No, dude, here's how I eat Skittles. I get the fun size thing for Halloween. And you dump it all in your mouth. And you dump the whole thing in your mouth. Yeah. And it, yeah. it tastes just like a, a big a big blob of candy. Who Who's to say? Yeah, sugar. Yeah, exactly. Squishy sugar. Squishy sugar, yeah. Um. Yeah, apparently lemon... According to Skittles, lemon is the least popular flavor and always has well, been. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why they is. didn't discontinue that. They went yeah, after lime. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. But I guess they're keeping lemon because what they want you to do is pair strawberry and lemon and make strawberry lemon. Not. Why would you not combine lemon and lime? Well, th- well, this was before yeah, lime they- came back. This was in the hiatus of lime. Yeah, this company is so fucking they stupid. They said that they weren't going to get rid of lemon. Just deal with it. Who mix owns Skittles? It, mix it with a better flavor. <laughs> Who the fuck owns Skittles? Nestle? Is that Nestle? Yeah, some fucker. Who cares? Toll House? Is it the Keebler Elves? Mattel. Mattel. Hasbro. <laughs> Kenner Toys. Yeah. Comcast. I don't know. Yeah. Well, congratulations to Skittles for doing the thing that people have been asking you to do for 10 years or however long. Sure. Lime has been gone. Sure. Yeah. I didn't know there was a uh, 
such a fervor to get the line back. Yeah, it was a thing. Mm. It was a whole thing. You remember the gum, the Skittles gum? Yes, I do. It was, I understand why they did it, but it's pretty weird because you mm-hmm. just wanted to eat them like Skittles, but mm-hmm. it's gum. Yeah. I'm still pooping some out to this day. So yeah, some say. <laughs> Legend stick has it. Your, it. Stick it to your rectum like polyps. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyways. Hey, before. So we got a lot to talk about today. Yes, we uh, do. We didn't record last week because of a little kerfuffle. Uh, <laughs> a little technical a little snafu. <laughs> comedy of errors. But you, Robbie, <laughs> spent the week at my house. Yes, I did. Uh, we'll get to all that shit. Um, but before we do, Robbie, some yes. some uh, fairly breaking news happened about yes. a couple hours ago. Okay. Um. And it's funny because a couple weeks ago, we're talking about all of Donald Trump's various press secretaries. Yes. And apparently we forgot one. We forgot his last one. um, Or one of his last ones, I guess. Between Huckabee Sanders and Kaylee McEnany, he had a press secretary named Stephanie Grissom, who never did a single press conference (laughs) in the nine months that she was his press secretary. She never appeared... In front of the press, that's to be a fucking secretary. awesome. Uh, she was also um, like Melania's chief of staff or something, and uh, she was okay. like the I don't know the East Wing manager, whatever the title is. Uh, but she's a piece of shit. Um, so much so that if Naturally. you go to her Wikipedia page, um, hey, what's her name? Stephanie Grissom. Stephanie Grissom. Yeah, um, she has on her Wikipedia table of contents. She has her own section for all the time she's been pulled over drunk driving. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's also been yeah. fired. She's also been fired from two jobs, one for plagiarism and one for like stealing from the company or some, some sort of embezzlement thing. Oh my thing. God. Yeah. A blood test revealed that this was in 2013. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hold on. This is fun. Oh my God. Did you like read it by chance or did you just I see that? I skimmed through it. Please enlighten us. Okay. So let's see. Uh, January 9th. 2013 pulled over for speeding in arizona mm-hmm. uh let's see she failed the field sobriety test she said that she didn't have any alcohol mm-hmm. but she had taken xanax and zoloft <laughs> <laughs> no no alcohol just a little cocktail yeah, just a little a little something to take the edge off and then a blood <laughs> test revealed that her blood alcohol level was 0.105 <laughs> Hey, that's what mine was Sunday oh, like, at fucking Mestafesta, I think. Goddamn right. Um, amazing. Or last, last Tuesday, shit. Yeah. Now let's see. Then in Any 2014. Day. Yeah, so she's been pulled over for driving drunk one, two, three, four times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So the reason I bring her up is she's got a bombshell book coming out about her time in Trump's administration. Oh God! Yeah, and I just like to—I'd like to paint a little picture for you, Robbie. Please do. Here, let me—I right. close, close my eyes. Yes. Imagine this. Imagine this. Just mm-hmm. be whisked away to this hypothetical situation. Right. All right. You spent your entire career as a mildly attractive woman cheating your way to the top. <laughs> All right. You've mm-hmm. cheated and lied at every job you've ever had. Hmm. All the way up until you got into politics. And then you uh, shysted your way into a position as 
the president of the United States's press secretary. And you're just waiting for your opportunity to go out and do your job and lie to the American public, which ultimately will never come. But picture yourself. You're waiting for yep. the call yep. that the president of the United States of fucking America wants you to go out in front of the people and answer questions for him. And you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, you get a call from the president directly. Yes. And you answer it trembling, thinking it's your time to shine. Yes. And he says, so uh, just so we're clear, my penis is completely normal and does not look like a mushroom whatsoever. Okay. And it is definitely a perfect size. Okay. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> yes. Donald Trump was so upset uh, when Stormy Daniels, um, yes. while her shit came out, when she talked about how shitty his penis was, right? Uh, that he just called her up just to reassure her that he had a great dick. And yeah. she just sat there listening to him talk about how perfect his penis was and how it was definitely not small and definitely not misshapen. <laughs> <laughs> and she just had to sit there and be like, okay, cool. Um, yes. Okay. Mr. President. <laughs> but she recounts uh, just a toxic culture of sexual harassment. I guess one time he urged her to bring a staffer on the plane, just uh, to sit in front of him so that he could see her ass when she got up and down. Um, she began dating a White House aide, Max Miller, who allegedly at one point threw her up against the wall and slapped her in the face. So that's he, a name that I recognize. I feel like I've yeah, that name. Yeah, he's a Trump guy. Uh, yeah. He he alleged that she had an affair while they were together. So he like uh. kind of tossed her around <laughs> a little bit and then they broke up. We got to give her the business. Yeah. Ain't no damn going to be walking around on me. <laughs> ain't no damn gonna be stepping out <laughs> yeah gave her the business absolutely give her the old what for yeah hit her with that razzle dazzle <laughs> and my left hand <laughs> oh boy you know not a, you know just a just a hook with your non-dominant hand that's all it takes yeah exactly it's the non-dominant one yeah it's fine it's fine totally fine Totally fine. But yeah, she so she's got a book coming out with all sorts of bombshell allegations. I mean, every six months there's a new book coming out. Yes, yes. Um, it also talks about how he was uh terrified of Putin. And then one of the most interesting things it it discusses is um a while back he had that sudden uh trip to um Walter Reed right. hospital, and people were thinking maybe he had a mini stroke. All this no, stuff. no, no. He he very clearly said, unprompted, he was definitely not getting treated for a series of strokes. <laughs> right, right. That's what it was. Well, she she mentions this in her book. Um, he was getting a colonoscopy, and he was so upset at the idea of being put under anesthesia and having to temporarily turn power over to Mike Pence that he yeah. refused anesthesia. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, that's an allegation in the book. <laughs> oh, that's fucking awesome. Trump yeah. got fucked in the ass with no anesthesia. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that's like inflate you and shit, too. Yeah. What a trooper. <laughs> I mean, he was that unwilling to just, you know. Yeah. For an hour or two. Just. Yeah. Just. And then he also he also kept it so under wraps. So you don't even need to like tell media. anybody that you're doing it. 
Right. Well, and then he didn't want the media to know what was happening because he didn't want them to joke about him. Of course. Having this very common procedure that all men over like 40 have to have. Yeah. He's so insecure. So that's why he kept it such a secret, which made it worse because nobody would have given a shit. He was just like, oh, I'm just going for my checkup, you know? Well, yeah, they would have like, it, you know, jokes would have been made. But yeah, you like you said, he could have just been like, oh, yeah, I need to go for a checkup because I'm 70, whatever. Yeah. And I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Instead, Apparently George Bush tweets. had several colonoscopies while he was in office. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Many presidents absolutely have. Yeah. But to Trump, it was a sign of weakness <laughs> that he had to have his rectum examined. So. Oh, Hell yeah. Boy. Yeah. Hell yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I don't want to dwell on any of that. There's all, there's all kinds of fucking shit in the news we could talk about. But I don't want to dwell on that. Just wanted to bring it up because just, you know, recently we, yes, were, yes. we were talking about the secretaries. We we're like, oh, that's all of them. No, we forgot one who was press secretary for nine whole months. And, and didn't do the public anything. basically never saw her. She didn't do shit. I mean, she went on Fox News and primetime shit and mm. and did her thing, but she never held press conferences. Right. I kind of forgot there was that whole period where he just didn't want to fucking say anything. Or communicate. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's all a blur. <laughs> yeah, it's a fever dream, man. It's yeah, for real. Dream. Hey, just like last week. Yes, you came down. We spent the week binge drinking, binge eating, binging movies. Oh yes, yeah. Did it's some glorious. gay stuff when uh, Madeline went to bed. Of course, yeah. A little Good light time. fondling never hurt anybody. <laughs> Touching butts, you know. Touch. <laughs> Just slapping our butt cheeks together. <laughs> Sandwiching them like one, then one, then one, then one. Yeah. Like yeah. In- interlocking our butt. <laughs> interlocking. Our butt like cells interlinked. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. So you came down, had a little yes. vacation. Yes. Uh, where would you Where would you like to start with this? Uh, I don't know. Don't I mean, I anybody, guess we should. So. Yep. <sighs> Sorry. I couldn't. Uh... Yep. <laughs> all right go ahead yeah dude i forgot when i as soon as i got down there i forgot how fucking awful my allergies were when i lived there yeah because they are really they are not nearly like i still have them here and they can be a pain in the ass but like not not that bad (laughs) yeah it's brutal shit it fucked me up even with my uh my medicine well it only gets worse the further south you go yeah because when i go to when i go to texas it gets real bad i imagine if i went to mexico i just dropped dead immediately yeah like walk off the plane just breathe the air and just collapse yeah your lungs would flip themselves inside out yeah 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 my rule of thumb is just don't go south any further south than like houston yeah yeah that's just a good rule in general yeah yeah Yeah. hashtag build that wall so (laughs) (laughs) so yeah got there last monday uh we just had a couple bevs really that night. Didn't do anything too crazy. Tuesday, we got lit. We started at like noon and then just continued. That's right. That's, that, right. that's I think that day was probably the, the drunkest that I got while I was there. Yeah, that was a solid day of drinking. Yes. Like the good old days. Yeah. Except well, we went to some, we went to some breweries. You know? Yes, we started off the day at Lively, which was, which was nice to, uh, to finally get down there and see that place. 
Yes. Uh, I'd had their beer before, but not mm. since they had the brewery, like the actual right. location. So it was good to go there. Then we went to Fassler's after that, right? And had a fucking liter of beer each. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're giant fucking mugs. Yes. Uh, then we went to Vanessa House after that, right? We went to Elk Valley. That's, oh, Elk Valley. That's right. When they opened at three. Yes. Had some bevs there. Mm-hmm. Then did yeah. we go home after that? No, or did we, we went go to Vanessa somewhere House. Else? Oh, then we went to Vanessa House. That's right. Yeah. yeah. The reason the reason we um, that day was kind of frustrating because it was so hard to find a um, a place to drink that was open at noon on a Tuesday. <laughs> That's uh, true. And so we had to basically just go to where wherever was open and sit there drinking until the places we really wanted to go opened. Yes. Yeah. Which is why we killed like an hour and a half at Fassler's Hall. Yes. Drinking again a liter of beer each. Yeah. Well, you can't you can't go there and order a no, half, no, absolutely. half a beer. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to get the one of the giant ass mugs for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's a yeah, it's a German it's a German restaurant bar that has beer by the Liter Stein. Or yes. if you're a little pussy boy, you can get a half liter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, if you're a little bitch. Yeah. Yeah. But I so, I want I want to barely be able to pick up the mug and hold it with one hand. You know what I mean? Like that's why you yeah. go there, yeah. So we went to the breweries, uh, continued to drink, uh, mm-hmm. and because we were at actual breweries, it was all pretty high point shit, mm-hmm. including that uh, was it the Elk Valley or was it the Vanessa House uh, Stout that was like fifteen percent. Oh, that was Elk Valley for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that shit was so fucking good. With cosmic brownies <sighs> and pretzels, right? That's yeah. what it was brewed with. Mm-hmm. God, amazing. And we Incredible. had like I don't know four or five beers there. Mm-hmm. And then probably another four or five beers at Vanessa House. Went home uh, after that. And it gets kind of blurry after that. <laughs> well, I know it was. Was that the. That wasn't the night Lauren came over. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? That was the same. Yeah, it was the continuation of that day. Because we were was already. It? had. I'm pretty sure, right? No, she came over Wednesday. Because Tuesday night, we had those. Uh, we had the bowls. Right. Oh God. No, because wasn't Wednesday. I'm pretty sure Wednesday was when I uh, went to right. no, no, Edmond. No, no, no. So it, it was Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, it was Tuesday. Tu- yeah, yeah, we had pizza. Yeah, that made, was r- real good. Yeah, it made some <laughs> really fucking spicy. Whip, whipped up a little cast iron pizza. That's right. It was delightful. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um. So yeah. So then we kept drinking. That's right. It's all coming yes. back to me. And yeah, we just got more beer and just kept fucking going. And Lauren brought beer and then got more <laughs> later in the evening. Yes. Uh, we watched Phantasm that evening. Indeed. Yes, we did. Oh, the night before we watched uh, Revenge, mm-hmm. which uh, I don't know. We can talk about all these movies, I guess, once after after the week, the recap of the week, maybe. Indeed. Yeah. So then Wednesday. What happened Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wednesday, we both uh, woke up at like 11 because it had been a late night. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Whataburger. That's right. Yeah. And uh, didn't really do much of anything, really. Yeah. Because we were both hungover as shit. That's right. 
later that day. I went to Edmond to go see the Munchbox guys. Uh, what do we do Thursday? Uh, might have been another chill day, but I don't remember. I think so. I think that's the night we watched Possessor. Yes, it is. So and I think we, we just had some cocktails. Yes. And yeah, that's we, when we, we had... Whisk- that was the wing night, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had the... Uh, opened up the whiskey... Had yes. some some delightful cocktails. Watched Possessor, which fucked us both up. Yes, indeed. And then Friday, uh, I had to I had to work an event. I don't know what you did. Uh, hung out with Crystal and Kellen. We were going to go to the fair, but we didn't because mm. uh, Genuine was uh, playing at the fair, and we were going to go there. Uh, but yeah, that didn't happen. So I hung out with her and her friends. Had many a drink. Met back up at your place at eleven thirty. At which point the party started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Jordan came over as did Joe, which was lovely to see Joe. I hadn't seen him in forever. Mm-hmm. Uh and Jordan, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I guess. Yeah, fuck that guy. And uh then Austin McCray stopped yes. by with his uh Indian friend whose name I can't remember, unfortunately. He was super cool. Yes. And yeah. uh I stayed up until four that night. And that's when I that was my heart out. I was fucking dying. You though continued. Yeah, I went to bed around six thirty. Jesus Christ, and that sucked a lot, actually. Yeah, um, I believe it. And then Saturday was just um, wanting to die until I went to work at another event for a little while, and then came <laughs> home, and then we went and had some incredible Indian food. Yes, God, um, so fucking good. Yeah, that was great. And then uh, at at Shish Mahal, um, amazing everything really but yeah butter chicken is fucking ridiculous there and then sunday we went to this event that we used to go to every year when you lived here i actually haven't been because of covid and other shit um in a couple years but uh this event called mesta festa which is a fundraiser for this historic neighborhood that has um beer tents and food trucks and all this shit yeah it's always a good time yeah you just buy a wristband you get a tasting cup you get to walk around all the beer tents and taste whatever they have great great event to just pay 25 dollars and basically have unlimited drinks at yes which we did we probably got there at like 130 ish in that mm-hmm. time frame and yeah. uh stayed and closed it down so we stayed till six we did and then we went to chicken beer and then we went to chicken beer and then um woke up monday after a restless night of um <laughs> of bloating and uh <laughs> and beer cramps um yes yes yeah and then uh yeah and then monday we we went and had a little breakfast and then and then sent you on your way and now here we indeed. are indeed and we watched a few other movies in between there somewhere yeah yeah uh oh the blob Yes, we watched the uh, the Blob remake, which was yes. fantastic. Yeah, it's delightful. I think that's about it. Oh, no, we watched... I'm sorry. We watched the fucking Death of Stalin, finally. Yes, we did. Which was also great. All right. So, we probably go through the movies, right? Yeah, that's just go we, through that, them a little bit. That's what we do on this show. So, the first one we watched was... <laughs> that's uh, what this show is. <laughs> that's, that's what we fucking do, because we're nerds. Uh, the first movie that we watched is called Revenge. Uh, as the title suggests, it's a revenge movie. Came out in 2018, uh, I yes. think. Yes. 2018. Uh, it's a stars a a woman 
and is directed by a woman as well. So it's sort of an interesting like female perspective on the kind of uh, grindhousey revenge thriller. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, woman goes on a, a trip with her lover. Uh, she's the mistress for this guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, his friends show up unbeknownst to her. She doesn't know they're going to be there. They have a, a wild and crazy night. One of the guys rapes her. Mm-hmm. The uh, boyfriend doesn't really do anything about it. Uh, attempts to kill her to make it all go away. And then uh, she survives and uh, gets revenge on the guy and his two friends. And it's fucking brutal. The violence yeah. is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There's some really, really fantastic gore and some really fucking great kills in this movie. Yeah. By the by the way, something I never really picked up on the first time I watched it was um, pretty much the whole time she's getting revenge is a peyote trip. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah, because yeah. she, uh, she smokes some really strong peyote that they set up in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. That's given to her or given to the, the guy first by their helicopter pilot that drops them off. It's also the movie is also fucking beautiful. Like it is the, mm-hmm. the colors are gorgeous. The, the Just all the shots. It's one of those every frame is a painting type movies for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's set in the um, oh shit. Where did I say it was set. Uh, I mean, they filmed it in Morocco. It doesn't that's really right. tell you where they are, but that's where they filmed it in the Moroccan yeah. desert. And it's that's fucking right. gorgeous. Yeah, it's incredible. That the location of the house is incredible. Um, yeah, like it's just like this house in the middle of nowhere in the desert. Yeah, beautiful view. Um, yeah. And yeah, so yeah, so that's the gist of it. Um, a couple kind of details to talk about is so she's thrown off of this sort of cliff, and she gets impaled on a dead tree. Yeah. And she lights the sort of dead base of it on fire to break off. And then it's crawling around with part of a tree trunk uh, inside her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which she then she then takes out and cauterizes her wounds with a like a Mexican beer can that yeah <laughs> and she, like, flattens it out <laughs> and yeah. then like puts it in a fire while she's on peyote. Yes, she takes the peyote so that she can basically perform surgery on herself and then remains high on peyote as she kills these guys off one by one. Uh, one of the details I really liked is that. Um, the guys are so fucking gross. Yeah, yeah. Like one of them, he has these, he has these little ticks and mannerisms. And then later when she's tripping, he kind of morphs into a, a lizard and he realizes yeah, that he yeah. has a, these like reptilian sort of movements. He like blinks really hard and he's always kind of darting his tongue around the side of his mouth. And then the other guy, uh, so that was the guy that rapes her. And then, yeah, yeah. so when it happens, her boyfriend is gone getting their hunting licenses or something. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy thinks that they had a connection the night before she rejects him. So he rapes her. Uh, and then the third guy in the house, who's this fat big, slob. Yeah. This guy. kind of fat slobby dude. He comes in and uh, he does nothing. He just walks away and lets it happen. And yeah. there's this close up of him standing in the doorway where God, it's an extreme. Fucking... <laughs> it's the nastiest thing in the it's whole so movie. Crap. He's just eating food and it's like a this really intense, like super macro lens, like right on his mouth as he's like chewing food. Yeah, he's eating this candy bar. So he's like ripping it apart and he's like chewing the nugget and it's just that's so awful. nasty. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the gross, it, as violent as the movie is, that's the part that makes yeah, me Yeah, it's pretty, it's just, very unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, thankfully, and then like the, the actual assault scene is, it's not shown or anything. It's just, yeah, not really. It's impactful because of, 
the way that it's set up and and everything and the implications of it but it's not like a, a graphic scene or or anything yeah, like it's, that it's like up against a, they're like yeah they're like up against a window and there's like an exterior shot where you can like kind of see them moving against it but yeah it's yeah. not like it's it's super uh yeah it's not super graphic or anything no no but it's still i mean obviously it's still incredibly disturbing yeah, especially yeah. especially how the other guy just kind of walks away and does nothing yeah i also really liked that her getting like the process of her getting her revenge is still really hard for her mm-hmm. like she doesn't just naturally succeed at it it isn't like super easy for her right um like she gets her fucking ass kicked <laughs> while doing yeah. it which is also really nice yeah and it's it's so interesting how it how it's done and handled because um so after she is freed from the tree and is recovering and all this, she's basically just in underwear the rest of the movie. Yeah. But it's not like it to be sexy at, no, all. at all because um, it's actually to show how damaged she is because yeah. now she has this gaping hole in her stomach, basically. At one point she gets shot in the ear and loses part of her ear and then she's all scraped up and bloodied. And you actually call it out. There's a scene where, she gets all this ammo that she stole from the first guy she kills. And after she's recovered enough from cauterizing her wounds, she steps out and it does this sort of hero shot of yeah. her like all loaded up, ready to get her revenge. And it's just showing like how broken she is now. Yeah. Just completely beat the fuck up. And then and then um at the end of the film, when she confronts the boyfriend who is the guy that tried to kill her, uh he's in the shower when she goes to attack him. So he's completely naked the entire climax of this movie. And it is, it's also not like, um, sexualized at all or anything. I mean, it's very unflattering. Like anytime, (laughs) anytime you see a glimpse of his dick, it's like, there's one scene where he's sitting on a couch and it's all just shriveled up because he's sitting down. And then like, you just see it from really awkward angles yeah, well, not in a way because we're really used to seeing nudity in movies as really only being sexual or right. otherwise it's maybe like meant to be like super gross. Whereas this is just like it's just people who happen to be nude. Like right. there's nothing special about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just it's just shown in a different way than what you're used to. Yeah, And for it's sure. also just to show how vulnerable he is now. And to that end, you really kind of forget that she is in just her like a bra and underwear after yeah. a while like except for like the hero shot and some other moments here or there where it's trying to showcase the fact that she's like you know vulnerable really mm-hmm. um yeah you you don't even really it doesn't really even register which yeah i think really goes to show the power of the male gaze in these movies yeah absolutely <laughs> because the actress is is very attractive so it'd be very easy to sort of make her like sex appeal or whatever be a centerpiece of this whole thing but again you know female writer and director obviously that's not going to happen and she's trying to comment on that for sure very successfully but yeah yeah it's uh yeah kind of just makes you realize just how much like the way in which it's shot and everything really like plays a role in that kind of thing yeah definitely i mean there's there's one scene where she is playing up her sexiness and she's being flirty with the guys and it's the only time that she's that she's shot in a way that is supposed to make her look sexy and she's fully it's the time she's wearing the most clothes and then there is a quick scene of her before she's attacked where she's where she's nude and it's just like out of focus and she's trying to quickly get dressed because this guy just walked in so like yeah it's never gazing at her really or it's not about that at all so yeah anytime there is nudity it's just oh these people happen to be 
nude in this moment. It's never, it's never to be sexual or anything. And even yeah, like yeah. there's a scene where uh, when they first get there, and she has a flashback of it later. She's performing oral sex on the boyfriend, yeah. and it shows his ass in close up, and you just see like stray hairs and like all the wrinkles and stuff, and it's just so yeah, gross. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's this movie is so unflattering to everybody. <laughs> Except the one time that it wants her to, you know, when she's yeah, dancing yeah. and trying to be sexy and everything. Otherwise, yeah, everyone in this movie is just gross. They're always dirty and covered in blood and guts Dirt and everything. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a great movie. And then the other thing I, I really liked just to kind of close out uh, this is um, in the climax. So she goes back to his house and his house is basically just a giant square um with like a square inside so that there's a corridor that goes around all the all the sides of the house and the basically the chase of them sh their gunfight is just running around this hallway yeah and circles. it's almost like it's almost like those jokes where uh it goes on for so long that it's not funny and then it goes on to the point where it becomes funny again but it's yeah. like that with suspense where yeah, for it sure. almost starts to become funny and then it gets more frenetic and, and the chase gets more intense and then it becomes scary again and like really suspenseful because like they could, you never know when they're going to meet up, you know? Yeah. They're just like running around almost like a maze or something. Yeah. And it just keeps going and going yeah. and going and you get to a point. Yeah. Where you're wondering like, wait a minute, like how, like, because you get to the point where you assume what's going to happen is he's going to try and trick her. She'll catch on, go the other way and shoot him. Like that's kind of what it's setting itself up to do. Yeah. And it, and it starts to set that up, but then that doesn't happen. And so then you go, Oh, well shit. Okay. Where, where yeah. the hell is this going? And then it becomes, yeah, suspenseful and scary again. And really, yeah, yeah that whole ending scene, you actually don't know whether or not she's going to end up killing him or not. Like they do a really yeah. good job at, at leaving that up in the air. Yeah. Well, and it's so disorienting too the way yeah. the way the editing is like you don't know where they are in the hallway and especially because so before the chase starts she shoots him with a shotgun and by the time <laughs> by the by almost the ending uh, before they catch up to each other the hall there's just so much blood everywhere that you can't even yeah. make out the geography of the hallways it's just like these red corridors and the floors are slippery they can't run they're like crawling around it's just so fucking gross man yeah it's awesome yeah and then at one point he um he like <laughs> he like makes a corset out of saran wrap to keep his his guts <laughs> yeah. intact because his intestines yep. are hanging out it's yeah a lot yeah. of a lot of just gross fun um, yeah yeah good stuff good stuff uh and then um uh we watched uh speaking of uh confusing and gross fun we watched phantasm the next yes night, we did which i'm really excited to talk about i know lauren's excited to to finally have this movie explained even though she didn't even get to the really weird stuff no not not um, even a little bit and you're <laughs> gonna have to explain it because lord knows i fucking can't yeah well I, I don't even know how to just summarize like give a quick synopsis basically yeah the movie starts with this guy having sex in a cemetery and the woman pulls out a knife and stabs him, and then she shapes shifts into the movie's villain, who is called the Tall Man, and he's just the Undertaker, like at this uh, this mausoleum. He's the mortician or whatever, and yes. um, and so the the main characters are this thirteen year old boy, 
his older brother Jody and Jody's best friend Reggie, who is an ice cream man, and he has a little ice cream truck. And um, uh, Michael, who's the main character, who's 13, him and Jody recently lost their parents in an accident. So he's dealing with the grief of being an orphan. And uh, Jody is wanting to leave town and start his own life and not have to look after Michael anymore. And um, so the guy that was killed at the beginning was uh, Jody and Reggie's other friend, like the third guy in their group. And they don't want Michael at the funeral. They think it'll be too scary for him. He shows up anyways, and he witnesses the tall man carrying the casket by himself to the hearse, which shows that he has superhuman strength. So then he becomes kind of obsessed with the tall man and what's going on at this place and keeps sneaking away to it to try and figure out what's happening. And eventually uh, it leads to pure insanity where <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, man. They're like these little Jawa men running around. Yeah, you said these, there's a reason for that. And I would love to know what that is. Yeah. There's these, these little hooded um, dwarves that uh, kidnap people and take them there. Um, the tall man bleeds this like yellow sludge. Yep. And uh, are these little orb things inside of the mausoleum. Yeah, there's the I'll most iconic people. thing from this movie is the silver ball, which is this like sentient ball with blades that chases people through corridors. And then it's revealed that the tall man's from another dimension yes. uh, that has to do with like these it's accessed through like a tuning fork, basically a giant tuning fork where when yep. the right frequency is played, you can see into this dimension and they try to close the doorway and lock the tall man away. And then there's a twist ending where after all of this happens, Reggie is killed trying to defeat the tall man. Jody and Michael barely escape. The, mauso- the mausoleum like explodes or something. And then Michael wakes up screaming and runs out of his bedroom. And Reggie is there and comforts him and tells him that Jody has been dead for years. He died in a car accident. That it's yeah. just the two of them now. And then he goes back to his room. And then the tall man bursts through the wall. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking insane, man. <laughs> this movie is this so crazy. Movie. Now it's worth it's worth noting that this movie uh, was made on basically no budget. Like it was just like yeah. this is the director trying to make it as he had the money, like the means to do so. Essentially, so like yeah. the acting is mostly terrible. Right. Yeah. Uh, the effects are surprisingly good, though. Yeah, they are. And They're pretty good. It's a b- remarkable how well shot this movie is. Yeah, the nighttime especially, scenes are especially for how old it is. Yeah, yeah, the nighttime stuff especially is fucking unbelievable, mm-hmm. and it feels like so many modern, like or I should say that so many modern horror movies feel just a little bit like that movie in some way. Mm-hmm. That uh, yeah, it appears to have had a a very large influence. The one that kept coming to my mind was the um, Suspiria remake. There were a couple more that oh, popped in my yeah. head at the time, but I can't remember. Yeah, I think it is a pretty influential film, especially, I mean, it's kind of like, it's got the same background as The Evil Dead. It was just like right. a creative guy, wanted to make a movie, didn't really know how to go about it, didn't have the money, and he just kind of made it as he could. And with his friends, uh, not the best acting or effects or anything, but it's its own unique original idea that has remained inspirational to so many modern filmmakers. And, um, yeah, the, the story came about the creator, Dan Coscarelli had a nightmare about being chased by the silver ball and it just kind kind of evolved from there. And the thing about the movie that makes it so confusing is 
that usually when we watch movies, we take everything that's happening as if it's actually happening. And this movie right. does a lot where you're not always supposed to know what's real and what isn't. That's kind of the phantasm element. Right. Um, and my interpretation, which is not totally my own, like I kind of got a lot of this from listening to a lot of analysis of the movies and stuff. But um, basically a majority of the movie is in fact a nightmare and it's basically Michael trying to sort of like process all of his grief and trauma and it's manifesting with like the tall man, like the, the thing that made it click for me, I was listening to a podcast talking about it and they said the tall man is kind of like that creepy elderly relative you have. That's just kind of scary, you know, right? just right. you're kind of scared to be around when you're younger. Um, and I think especially him being the undertaker or whatever he is for the mausoleum, I think he would be scary to a kid whose parents, you know, just died and were buried there. He right. probably sees him as a figure of death. And um, we see, I'm pretty sure in his room, he had a star Wars poster or something. Yeah. And we see these, his little minions look almost exactly like Jawas. Yeah. And I, th I think he's just sort of taking all these things from his everyday life and they're just sort of being, forced together into his subconscious and he's having a nightmare and that's what the whole thing is especially um he keeps he keeps worrying about his brother leaving him there's this kind of weird scene where uh jody his older brother's riding a bicycle down the street and he's kind of awkwardly chasing him and like can't catch up to him and it's yeah. played as if it's actually happening but that's definitely a dream where he's just trying to hang on to him and he wants him to stay and in the dream, it's it's as if Jody's leaving him to go live out the rest of his life. But in reality, he's also died and left him alone. So, yeah, it's really just all this kid's trauma, everything you could possibly be scared of as a kid playing out as a nightmare. And then as far as the the jump scare at the end, I think that is just to say, like, well, it wasn't all a dream. You know, maybe the tall man is. This right. sort of otherworldly monster because you know not everything in a kid's imagination is totally just his imagination there are scary things out there so i don't know and then the sequels they they're pretty confusing too <laughs> <laughs> at one point uh it basically becomes by the fifth movie which is the last one it becomes this thing about like a multiverse and all these other dimensions and shit they uh, the real world is this like Mad Max wasteland and it's all kinds of crazy shit happening. So who's to say, I think you can kind of, it's one of those movies where you just have to formulate your own idea as to what's happening. Right. And right. you can kind of apply that to the whole franchise. If you want to watch all the movies and just kind of come up with your own understanding of it. Yeah. Pretty, pretty unique though. Definitely never seen anything else like that before or since. Indeed. Should we dive into Possessor? Oh boy. Another another difficult somewhat difficult one to sum up. Although I guess the, the premise itself is easier. Yeah, this uh, movie is fucked up, man. I loved yeah. it. Um, yeah, it was fucking awesome. So uh Possessor's movie by Brandon Cronenberg, David Cronenberg's son. It's his first is it his first feature? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. It may, it may be. It's it, one of his first, if not if not his first. In any case, uh, it's this sort of very dark, uh, grim sci-fi horror, mm -hmm. I, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, movie. Uh, there's a woman 
who works for a, a an unnamed agency of some variety. It's not really important. Mm-hmm. Um, which has technology which allows you to possess the mind of other people, and this is used for assassinations. So mm-hmm. you get it placed in the mind of a person who can get close to the person that needs to be assassinated. You kill them, and then you are supposed to kill yourself in the mind of that other person to sever the connection with them yeah. and you know make it look like a murder-suicide. Right. And holy shit, is this movie <laughs> fucking dark. The, the, the main yeah. premise... First, the setup for it is unbelievable. That opening that opening sequence is fucking incredible. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's, I mean it kicks you right in the teeth immediately. Yeah, I mean yeah, it just goes straight right into in. it. Yes, just straight into the misery of this world. Um, yeah, as we follow a woman who we find out is uh, been possessed by the main character, and yes. she performs an assassination, um, and then when the character is supposed to kill herself to sever the connection, she can't. So she is instead killed by police, which allows the main character to get out. And that's sort of the first sign we have that something's wrong with the main character and this whole operation that she's suffering these side effects from doing this operation and this procedure so often and being in other people's minds so often. And yeah, the movie, um, Almost no, there's like no levity in this whole movie. I mean, no, no, not at all. It's just misery for two yeah. hours and it only, it escalates. It only gets worse. And the, the ending of this movie was just like so fucking brutal and, yeah, and just such a, I don't even know, dude, such a wallop, <laughs> just like yeah, so for real. fucking just balls to the wall that when it ended, I, I was just kind of in shock, honestly. Um, yeah, me too. I didn't really totally know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> After, like, yeah, it's one of those movies that you it's it's very good and you it's worth watching. Uh, yeah. But I also I don't know when I'm going to see it again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. Uh, it's I've thought about it this whole time ever since we saw it. For one thing, just because of how incredible it was. Yeah. How like engaging it was. And it wasn't anything that I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was definitely multiple points where I just had no idea where it was going. Same. Which is good. I was along for the ride for sure. Um, but again, like I said, it just there's no levity. It just keeps building and building and getting worse and worse and, and more horrific to watch. And literally the only levity is when it's finally over and you're just like fucking exhausted <laughs> from being right, put right. through this shit. So I guess, I don't know, spoilers from here on out for... Or possessor. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, we can go there. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know who's if, gonna see this besides Jordan, who we already told to watch. Told, this told to watch it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A week ago. So, I don't know. If it, yeah, I don't know. For anyone who is listening, if this is something that sounds interesting, then I guess skip this part. Yeah, skip to the hour and seven timestamp if you want to avoid spoilers for Possessor. So, spoilers. Spoilers. The uh, the main plot uh centers around a uh a guy who wants to assassinate his father-in-law i believe um or is it his dad that might be his dad and sister that's right dad and sister i believe i believe it's it's i believe it's dad and sister yeah um so he is he's paying this agency to possess his sister's fiance Mm -hmm. uh to kill her and sean bean his dad 
yeah. who is a who has a tech company. Um, it doesn't really tell you much about what they do, but you get a glimpse into the job uh, where they have some sort of device, whatever it is that they sell, has a camera on it, and you just see the son-in-law sitting in a room uh, with VR goggles on, looking through the camera. In this instance, looking at blinds, uh, presumably for ad sales to target people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just implied that it's basically this spy shit that where they get ad revenue, and and this is how they do it. It's fucking weird and gross. Uh, kind of cool. Yeah, very <laughs> very nefarious. Yeah. Um, but what I find really interesting is the ways in which the both the main characters' lives, mm-hmm. uh, the the woman doing the possessing and the man she's possession possessing mm-hmm. i would argue are sort of co-main characters i mean they're technically yeah. i guess the same i don't know how you want to look at it but they're sort of co-main characters right uh, how their how their lives effectively mirror each other's in terms of yeah. sort of how they're fucking miserable and they both feel like they've kind of lost their humanity in some way mm-hmm. uh is really interesting to me i thought that was like a really nice interesting touch yeah. um i also, also- like that Oh, go on. I was just gonna say. Also, there's like no sympathetic people in this movie except no. for her husband and his fiance. Interestingly enough, yes, they're the yes. only sort of innocent people who aren't complete fucking monsters. Because <laughs> yeah, even yeah. the guy it's... that she is possessing, who you're supposed to feel bad for, even he's a kind of a dirtbag. I mean, he's yeah, a little bit yeah. having an affair, and he's he does drugs, and you know, he's having an affair with her best friend. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. um, and he like what yeah he went on this trip and, and he had been like, a coke dealer i think was his previous job yeah he's done he's dealt drugs he went on this he went on this trip where this dude asked him like you know did you get any from these people or whatever and yeah it's implied he just he basically just went on this trip as an excuse to like fuck bitches or whatever yeah um what's cool is and they set this up a little bit with the the opening scene uh where generally when, when you're supposed to assassinate people you're really just supposed to like shoot them like that's just what because it's you know the easiest quickest thing presumably right uh, but the, the first guy in the opening sequence she stabs to death and yes uh, many times and this, yeah like over and over and over again in the, in the throat it's not like she's stabbing him in the chest or something like she's just stabbing him in the throat until he dies um and in the sort of debrief after she after the sort of girl that she possessed dies and she comes out of the machine um the sort of mri type thing mm-hmm. they're doing a debrief to see if she's fully back where they're just like checking to see if your consciousness is fully awake again inside of your own head yeah uh and a very interesting sequence that comes back later and it's fucking brutal <laughs> yeah um they even then mention like why didn't you shoot the guy we give you a gun and you decided to stab him to death that's that's crazy why did you do that <laughs> she's yeah. like i don't know and then right after that she has to go home to her family yes and pretend like everything's fine and normal and she sees her son and her husband and you, you get the idea like even sort of before that sequence she's like fucking smoking a vape and she's just looks awful she's gaunt and super pale and her hair's mm-hmm. all greasy and fucked up she yeah. has no makeup on and she's rehearsing what she's going to say to her husband before she goes in to make sure that she sounds normal. Yeah. That was fucked up, man. That was so creepy. Yeah. yeah. The way, and that... what she's going to say to her son too. It's both. Yeah. Yeah. She's rehearsing God. a whole conversation and she's, she's trying all these different ways of emphasizing words and yeah, all, all these, these different, different ways and... that she can like emote what she's trying to say. And yeah, going back to how she, how she kills that first target. Uh, it's kind of like um, 
if you play a video game where you have to be stealthy all the time and then you get bored and you just yeah, like yeah. go on a rampage, it's kind of like that, but it's a character who, who can do that in real life, yeah, which is yeah. also horrific. And it's like, she's, I don't know if she's for a while. I don't know if she's doing it out of uh, like boredom, but I think the way that it cuts to her going home after that, I think it's out of resentment of her life and she just has so much rage and it's like, well, Hey, I get to, I can take over someone's mind and kill people. And it's just an outlet for her. And yeah, she seems, even though her mind is being affected and she's, I think there's other side effect implications of the, of the procedure, but even though she's being affected by her work, it's like, she's so detached from her real life. She spends so much time in the bodies of other people that, yeah, she like resents her normal life and her normal family. And she like has to pretend to be normal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of, you basically, you get the sense that it's like, Oh wait, she's essentially forgetting what it's like to just be a normal person. Basically. Like she's, yeah. you know, I mean, the whole movie has a theme of losing your humanity and, and, and all of that. And we can maybe get into that more like in a little bit, but yeah, like you really get the sense like she, like there's definitely a piece of her now that is missing and she's aware of it. And she seems to, resent herself for letting it go but she doesn't really know what to do about it and so she also ends up resenting other people probably for retaining their humanity that's kind of how uh how i read it yeah yeah for sure and so that and so like as which is also why the movie that gets more and more fucked up because uh you know yeah she's just getting she's losing more and more and more of her humanity Mm -hmm. so she's uh just taking more and more risks yeah and ultimately um after and she starts to uh like lose control of the main guy and everything i think the implication there is yeah maybe meant to be that she's essentially i'd say it gets implied that in order to in order to like do this job you have to like maintain a sense of self essentially and yeah. to me the fact that like it, it sort of escalates into where her and like the guy are fighting for control it's uh both you know a metaphor for her own personal life but then it's also just on a practical level really interesting that it's you know implying that she's basically not human anymore yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's like she yeah she doesn't have a strong enough sense of who she is to maintain control of this guy and loses herself to his subconsciousness um yeah and that's what i wanted to get to is so she takes over this guy and we get you know maybe 15 20 minutes of her as this guy going to work and including meaning, a sex scene yes a, a very <laughs> a very interesting sex scene yeah um where where she's sort of like she sort of like steps outside of his body and we see her body and she but she like has his penis but yeah. the rest of her is herself uh it's very yeah. strange yeah it like cuts back and forth between the two it's yeah very strange yeah um and then and then uh we get to the night where she's supposed to assassinate the fiance and the dad and God, Sean Bean is such a piece of shit in this movie. Oh I yeah. Mean, a real fucking piece of shit. Yeah. He like, like, there's like this big party event that they, that they're out that he's throwing at his house mm-hmm. and he's just a total cunt yeah, he's just, <laughs> to the main character. He's just so obnoxious. Yeah. He, he belittles him and um, like really over the top bel- belittles him in front of the guests and everything. And so you kind of, yeah, you yeah. kind of do want him to get it. Yeah, for sure. Um, which, yeah, yeah. Which is also interesting in the way that, uh, the main character kills him or at least attempts to kill him. 
uh, it's so brutal. And it's like, you can feel it's like, it's, it's a mix between her brutality that has been seeping out and whatever, whatever anger she's taking out. But also I'm not quite sure if like, he's not conscious at all during that. It feels like he is also part of it, you know? Yeah. Because it feels personal. Yes. It feels like he started to regain control while this is happening, but we don't know to what extent, but he's definitely, that's true. That's true because she initially, because she initially is just going to shoot him and then she like puts the gun down or there's something. I can't remember what she does with the gun. She puts mm-hmm. it away and then grabs a fire poker, starts beating <laughs> Sean Bean she, to death with it. She goes to town. And then shoves it into his mouth oh. and it's just like, and it's like plunging him basically with this thing. Yeah. And just like fucking blood and she, teeth coming out and fucking. Yeah. God, she's, it's graphic. She's yeah. She's like pulling out teeth and then she, uh, she puts it under his eye and pops an eye out. Uh, and then he survives yeah (laughs) Yeah, although it's unclear if he's like you know brain dead or something it doesn't really there's no like closure to that but yeah he does survive and uh the girlfriend or fiance chick whatever walks in halfway through that uh she tries to shoot her uh kind of misses but like gets her in the back i Mm -hmm. think maybe once or twice uh and then yeah there's a moment where she walks up to her it's gonna shoot her can't quite do it that's kind of where you're getting more glimpses of like oh she's fighting for control of this guy it's which they've been setting up and now it's getting worse yeah uh she does it ultimately uh then she goes to kill herself can't do it again and uh and that, it just that, keeps fucking that's where the guy his his uh subconsciousness like fully takes over for a while is he sort of comes to this realization of what's happened doesn't know why it's happened and has to go on the run basically and uh, we spent a large portion of that. And then it's during this time where both of their psyches are fighting for control over the body, which is visualized yeah. in a really the, cool way. It is. Yeah. And it's like a really violent flip flop back and forth. Yeah. And it's like in some moments, they're like kind of overlapping a little bit, too. Like he's kind of in control, but she's also there fighting him a little bit. So mm-hmm. it's like still kind of unclear exactly yeah what's happening and what's real and what isn't and all of that yeah and some more people are killed along the way there was a plant from the agency sent to sent to help maintain order and get her self-conscious in the guy's body kind of like wake her up and have her take over he's killed off uh the best friend is killed off and then um through them fighting for control he has some of her memories and can see her family, where she lives and decides to go to them as a way to draw her out. Cause he doesn't understand what's happening at all. Uh, he just knows that he has like somebody else's mind in his body with him, which is fucking yeah. terrifying, dude. I mean, yeah, for sure. Holy shit. And yeah, like I said, the way that it's visualized is so cool. Um, very interesting how, yeah, how simple it is, but like how, I don't know. It, it does seem like, um, I don't know. It's kind of like classy how this movie is handled. It's not like, it, it's not like a, like a cheap B movie, you know? There's no, like no, it's not elegance. like a slasher. Yeah. It's not a slasher. No. The, the, the brutality of the violence and everything is serving a very particular purpose. It's not just there for flash. Yeah. I also mean like, it's not like a, it's not like a cheesy, 
B movie. It's not like schlocky at all. It's like a very no, no. elegant, high concept science fiction film. I mean, it's yes, you know, handled very well. Yeah. And so the way it's represented is like, I don't know. It kind of makes sense how they do it. It's really cool. Um, I don't know how else to explain it. But um, anyway, so he goes to the house. Like, by the way, I know we already said spoilers. Major fucking spoilers. Like, this is like the whole crux of the end of the movie happening yeah. here. Um, throughout the film. So, like, whenever she comes out of the first body and she does this test, she's given a box. The box has some of her belongings and some random shit in it. She has to identify her belongings and tell the story behind it. And she has this butterfly that's been pressed into a shadow box. She says that she killed it and she felt guilty about it. And she's always felt guilty about it. And that's yes. this whole thing is like part, part of this whole internal struggle is her guilt and yeah, her humanity and her soul and everything. So she's fighting for control in this guy. He breaks into her house, brutally fucking kills the husband yes which although what's interesting in that sequence is that yeah he he's breaking in there basically to get her to come out of hiding in his mind basically so he can yes. actually talk to her figure out what the fuck is going on mm -hmm. so he's got the husband he's holding the husband at gunpoint and uh, he's you know basically saying like i'll do it i'll fucking do it and she comes out of hiding and says okay i'm here and then tells him to fucking do it <laughs> like yeah. tells him to pull the trigger yeah she I believe I believe she goes, it's okay, or something along those lines too. Like it's not just a like, I bet you won't do it, pussy. Like it's a very calm, like, okay, do it then. Yeah. And then what we have is uh, I can't I don't know, maybe I'm remembering it wrong. I feel like it's ambiguous which one kills him. Yeah, it doesn't really it's ambiguous who kills both her husband and uh after the husband is killed, the son comes downstairs. Mm -hmm. and uh stabs her slash them in the throat and reflexively she goes to shoot and pull the trigger and uh kills the son as well but again well, it's well no this was this was clear to me because the her boss was in the son's body yes and did that to initiate her being able to wake up and get out by him dying yes. but also um to test her because earlier uh, she is told by her boss, like, you know, your family is baggage and it's making you weaker. You could be in my position, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, yeah. And she, she has this moment where she looks at the sun, she shoots him in the chest and then she looks at him and they, I can't remember what the exchange is, but um, the boss says something to her through the sun. And then she, I think it's very clearly her in the body shoots the sun in the head. And then, ah, okay. and then they both come out of the bodies and then they're doing a debriefing. She's showing no emotion about this. And then the yep. movie ends with her pulling out the shadow box and not saying that she feels guilty anymore. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, that she killed it when she was a girl. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And that's just, that's just how it ends. She, she killed her yep. family and doesn't give a fuck anymore. She's completely lost her, her tether to humanity and is now just this fucking like killing machine that can can take over anyone's body and it's it's so gross man yeah it's, <laughs> it's fucking like, brutal yeah yeah um and yeah i guess i guess the subtext is like you could look at it as a uh a, me a metaphor for corporate america 
<laughs> I think, I yeah, think whatever sure. Brandon Cronenberg. The soullessness of the... Yeah, just the soul crushing. Yeah. yeah, just the soul crushingness of of our day to day nine to five job, how it's killing us and alienating us from people we love and how we are allowing ourselves to to lose our tether to ourselves and humanity and sell our soul to the, whatever corporation we work for. Basically, I think right, right. I think Brandon Cronenberg had an office job before he made this and movie. Fucking hated it. And, he and fucking I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> And I'll tell you what, man, having worked corporate jobs before, I fucking get it. And that's not yeah. even me trying to be funny for this show. Like I had absolutely that was like how I viewed it. And I could I relate to it a lot, actually, in that way. Yeah, like it just is how. Yeah, just like any, you know, like, I mean, those jobs impacted my mental health to a really scary degree. Like, man, it's fucking incredible. I don't think I ever would have thought to have <laughs> made a movie like this about it. But God yeah. damn. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, and it's like, and it's it's amazing to me that the most surface level read of this movie is like a super deep dive on the actual implications of what it would mean to lose your humanity. Like on just right. a bare surface level, it's yeah. still this like really high concept. Like, what does this actually look like? Right. Yeah, I mean, you could you could look at this from a lot of different ways, and I'm yeah. sure you know people's. People I am excited for than us the day have... that I. Oh yeah, yeah. I need to. I need to like watch some other people talk about this movie because I want to see it again. But I, God, it's gonna be a while before I have the energy to do that. Because that's the other thing. After we watched this, I was exhausted. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I was mentally. You just like exhausted. Em- yeah, yeah. Just mentally and and emotionally drained. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because it's like um, I feel like our role as the audience watching this happen is like it's like you're seeing somebody's mental health decline, but there's nothing you can do about it because they won't help themselves, you know? Right. And it's like, you're noticing these day-to-day changes that they're not noticing. They're just feeling this way and they, they don't know why. And it's just like, fuck dude. Yeah. There's some, <laughs> it's depressing yeah, as shit. Yeah. There's some, yeah. There's some like dementia undertones to it all. Like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's all, it's pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty masterful, my guy. Yeah. And, and also it's like beautiful. <laughs> oh yeah. It's another, it's another, uh, it's another beautiful yeah, film. Another, I guess every, every frame is a painting type. Uh, I got to see if this was his first movie. Cause if it was, we watched like three of at least three of like the top 100 feature film like debuts of movies. all time. <laughs> I, th- I think it might be his first feature film, but I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. I could see that. Let me just see here. Let's find out. Oh, I searched for the wrong thing. Let's see what we got here. Okay. Uh, well, hold on. No, nah. I think he's like done some shorts. He had, he made an antiviral, which is uh, okay. Feature length. So it's, so it's not his first. It's his no. second. <laughs> his second and uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna guess that antiviral is not the uh no no not not even near the critical acclaim this movie had well there you go but who's to say how you know how good it is or isn't yeah because i mean this definitely seems like the sort of movie that could also not go down critically super well no it 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 did and to me 
this this movie is exactly what I expected. Super high critical rating, super low audience score. Very low audience score, yeah. I'm sure people watched yeah, this I'd... and fucking hated it, dude. Yeah, no, I feel like if you're if you don't really just like movies, then you're probably not this is not a casual audience movie at all. No. I like I would not want my grandma to put this on on a Saturday. No. <laughs> Get, for like one I thing, be, know, be I wouldn't watch this with my fucking parents. <laughs> have that trans agenda forced on her. <laughs> Although my grandma actually does really like movies. <laughs> I should be like, hey, grandma, you want to watch Possessor with me? My 93-year-old yeah. grandmother. Yeah, dude, fucking. She watches ha- fucked up shit. Have her start her own reaction channel. She got like every every sort of major release and i don't mean like major studio release like every like sort of major anticipated movie of the year she sees mm. even like art house stuff so i wonder if she could she could well have fucking seen this i don't even know i'll have to ask her maybe she probably, <laughs> maybe she probably fell asleep halfway through uh yeah yeah who's to say let's see the blob remake chugging along. actually don't have a yeah i actually don't have a ton to say about it other than yeah. that i really enjoyed it yeah fucking rules uh, it I mean, was it's... Yeah, it's fucking awesome. It was it was much funnier than I expected it to be. Yeah, uh, it wastes no time. The pacing in that movie is excellent. Mm-hmm. It gets right to it. It's very interesting right from the get go. Has uh, there are, there's a little bit of expectation subversion here and there. Yeah, uh, the effects are great. There's some great body horror. Oh yeah, um, the, the blob looks awesome and it's scary, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting that they made the blob scary. <laughs> because <laughs> we you and i have both seen the original and we like yeah. the original a lot even though the second act is fucking boring yeah it gets um, it gets dull but it to me it's one of those movies that's just like you put it on in the background on halloween when you're passing out candy or something you know it's just one of those movies yeah, you sure. like have on that you can check in and out of when you're doing other stuff and it's fun it's very when, it's very yeah it's very charming it's yeah. got a great theme song written by Incredible. Burt Bacharach of yeah. all people and it's uh steve mcqueen's first uh film role as i recall mm-hmm. it was yeah yes um and then he yeah. looked 45 he was like 20 when he made that movie and he already looked like 45 years old <laughs> yeah so i'm trying to i'm trying to get this like lightning sh- shape fucking <laughs> sunlight off of my mouth all right my yeah, lighting's like, all weird right now right in your face. yeah i guess i just fine. won't slouch now you're all blurry on my screen anyway, so okay. I can't tell. All right, whatever. Um, yeah, so yeah, this movie fucking rules. Uh, it's also yes, it's very good. so well written for no reason because yeah, <laughs> there's so yeah, many weird. setups and payoffs in this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. And again, like, it's all paced so well. Yeah, like from from him jumping the uh from him jumping the bridge, that has a big payoff later. That's yes, awesome. It does uh all kind- which again the timing of it is like perfect like the all the payoffs are used very well they feel earned you're excited when they happen yeah it's great characters um, they kill a kid i was was not expecting them to kill off that kid but they, they fucking, fucking did it and, his and actually dude. and actually when he died he gets pulled underwater by the blob and it's like a 10 year old kid and yeah. i figured oh, okay well we just won't see him again but then there's <laughs> like a great jump scare where the kid the older teenage girl is trying to find him and then he like briefly lunges out but he's being like actively dissolved by by the blob so his like yeah. skin's all melted off and he's like screaming and i wasn't expecting that yeah so it goes fucking there, kudos man. to them for having the balls to do that yeah yeah to, to me this is like the perfect campy fun horror movie 
I, yeah, it's a really good balance. Yeah, and it it is kind of scary. Like to me, this is up there with all the other '80s remakes, like The Thing, The Fly. Um, I mean, it's earlier, but Body Snatchers from like '78. I mean, this right. is this is a great remake, and it is. Like I said, it's so well written for no reason because it was written by Frank Darabont, who is amazing. Wrote The yes. Mist, one of our and directed it, one of our favorite horror movies ever. And uh, yeah, just so many setups and payoffs. It's just like a perfectly, it's just like a perfect economic, like Hollywood script, you know? Yes. Like, like back to the future or something where it's just like they, it was written by a guy who went to film school and knows what page to have this happen on, uh, what page to have this happen on perfect react structure how to set things yep. up, how to pay them off, how to write characters, how to write dialogue. It's just like, I mean, there's no like real plot holes or anything. It's just super solid. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not yeah. the Godfather. It's not a masterpiece, it's a, but it's just well, like no, no. fucking perfect, awesome, dude. Yeah. It's like just the perfect 90 minute movie. <laughs> yeah. That's the other it's thing. Solid. Yeah. It's just in and out, dude. Yeah. And no, and, no uh, time is wasted. There's, there's nothing to like cut out of this movie or anything. No, no. And it's so cool because, uh, well, going back to like some of the setups and payoffs, you get this this cute little banter between the sheriff and the waitress at the diner. And then um, the way they both get it by the blob is horrific. Uh, yep. <laughs> she basically just gets smashed in a telephone booth. By yeah, the blob. And, like, she's like trying to block it out of the blob, just like bursts in and she like blows apart <laughs> from well, the for floor. One thing, okay, well, I didn't even talk about what it's I awesome. brought this whole thing up for. They have this yeah. little flirty exchange. He leaves her a card with his main office number on it because they're going to go yes. on a date when the diner closes. And then the blob attacks. She goes out to a phone booth to call him. And then the person on the other line is like, he went to the diner. I haven't seen him. And then his face just appears in the blob it and it's melting. <laughs> it's so gross. And then, yeah, yeah the yeah. blob just smashes the telephone pole like a fucking Pepsi can. And she explodes yeah. inside of it. And then um, uh, also the way they defeat the blob with the cold, they set up this uh, snow machine at the beginning. I guess it's a it's a town that this is another interesting thing I liked. It's almost like Jaws where um, the town is kind of its own little thing and it makes all its money in the summer. This is a, a yeah. ski town, I guess, that makes all its money in the winter, but it's been yeah. unusually warm. So they have these trucks that make artificial snow. Or it's not even artificial. I mean, it's actually cold ice, but it's just like it's a snowblower thing. And um, that's set up early on. And they find out pretty early on, the main characters do, that the blob hates the cold because they hide in a freezer. And they don't beat you over the head with it or anything. They just show. It takes them. Yeah. And if you've, I mean, seen the original, then like you fucking know that. But yeah, like the characters, they don't quite put it together then, but it comes back later where you realize or they suddenly remember that this happened. Yeah. Very nice. Very solid. And it's, yeah, and it's also fun. It's a fun bit of, you know, the Cold War era to uh, make the blob is actually a military experiment. In the original movie, it's just from an asteroid. It's just, you know, a creature from outer space. Right. And this one, the asteroid is actually a U.S. satellite that had the blob on it. The blob mutated. It was just, I don't know, you know, some single cell organism or something there. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, yeah, all revealed that this is all known by this government agency that shows up. 
that initially seems like it's there to help, but it's actually maybe not there to help. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just got all these great little beats. It's sort of, yeah, it's like the prototypical like horror movie of that era. Yeah. But also it wasn't like they were, you know, mustache twirling bad guys. Either. No, no, they were just like, we can't like, we cannot allow this thing to escape by any means necessary. Yeah. Like the, the first kill that we see, as uh, a guy that you th- assume is going to be one of the main characters. He's like a jock dude, but he isn't like, you know, a, an asshole or anything like that. He's you know, just a kid. Yeah, he's just a um, nice guy. Yeah, he's just like a ni- nice guy trying to go out on a date. But then they, you know, the blob gets tries to eat this homeless dude. It's a whole thing. Yeah, uh, he gets killed in the hospital. Uh, he's the first death. And it's also, again, very brutal and gruesome. And it's, you know, a, bit, a nice bit of expectation subversion because you assume, as I did, that the movie's going to be him the girl and then the punk kid. And I assumed that the jock dude would die at some point in the movie, but I wasn't expecting his death to be in the first act. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Also, um, that was awesome. Such a great joke with that character where uh, he's, Oh yeah. For yeah. One thing they're hyping up, like they're hyping up for him to ask out this girl. He has this huge crush on her. She's the cheerleader. Yep. He's the quarterback or whatever. He gets tackled over like the Gatorade table lands at her feet ask her out and it's like setting up this cute romance and then his yep. his douchebag best friend drags him to this drugstore so that he can buy condoms and while he's buying the condoms the town preacher shows up and uh he blames it on his friend who's going on the on the big date and it turns out the pharmacist is the girl's dad and so <laughs> he goes over and he's introduced to the family and then the reveal of him being the dad, he like he's covered by this big newspaper and he slowly lowers it and sees the guy and he has this <laughs> expression on his face and he's like ribbed. He remembers the condoms that the kid bought. Yeah, yeah. So and then it's funny. like a hard cut to the guy, the girl in the car later. And yeah, yeah it's funny. Yeah, it's she's really good. Yeah, they hard cut and it's it's kind of a, a second of awkward silence, and she's like, So sorry about that whole misunderstanding. <laughs> 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 yeah there's a lot of humor in the movie it's very it's yeah, very it lighthearted it's very movie. funny yes yeah and even like that like the scumbag dirtbag kid is like just like a, a good kid who just you know doesn't you know is essentially let down by the system he's like one of those he's like a good kid he's got a heart of gold yeah uh it's yeah. just that yeah, adults like don't the... like him because he's anti-authority basically yeah he's just yeah the the bad boy from the wrong side of the tracks that ends up having the heart of gold exactly yeah 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 um, and he's, yeah, he's shown to be a, a pretty solid dude and saves the day, saves the girl. They form the unlikely power couple at the end. And we have a happy ending with a little, a little stinger of the, the preacher who was disfigured in a fire has kept a little part of the blob, which was set up earlier yes. as well. And he's kind of preaching about the end of the world being soon. And it's like a see, fire and brimstone speech. Yeah, and we see that he's got a little little bit of the blob that's still alive and is growing a little bit. So who knows what's going to happen there? Indeed. Unfortunately, Ooh. we'll never find out, but uh, hey. <laughs> who knows? Maybe they'll make a, a blob sequel in tw- uh, uh, 2028, the 30th anniversary. Hey, why not? I'd be for, I'd be the for 40th that. anniversary, whatever that would be. 40th, I guess. Yeah, I actually don't ever want to see another Blob movie because it'll be CGI and it'll look terrible. Yeah, but it won't be nearly as good. The Blob in this movie, with the exception of a few like bad composite shots that didn't yeah, age well. Yeah, there's, yeah. 
but, but for the most part it looked very good still dude the blob is so awesome i mean even in the 50s one it looks kind of cool you know you could tell yeah you could see the seams and everything i mean it doesn't look amazing but it looked it's a cool design yeah. um even though it's silly i mean it's you know it looks like purple jello in the original one yeah the, yeah the 1950s one it's yeah it's just like this sort of uniform color and texture and shape and everything because they probably made you know like a quart of it and then right. used it on a bunch of miniatures this yeah. one, it looks almost like it's like this weird, like chewed bubble gum that's like oozing and bubbling and it's like constantly moving and shifting and stuff. It's like really nasty. Yeah. And it's it's so cool. Like, yeah, it's it's uh, parts of it are see through parts of it are thicker and non transparent and has like this iridescent quality. And it just yeah, it looks really well. It has a lot of personality as well. There's a, <laughs> there's a great scene where it's kind of rolling through the town. And it's just picking people up and throwing them around. Uh, and then it just smacks this guy and, and crushes him. <laughs> Remember that? It just like yeah. formed yeah. this tendril and just like <laughs> swatted this guy. <laughs> and then, and yeah, then it yeah. lifts up and you see him. And he's flat like a pancake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. What a delight. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Indeed. Yes. And then, and then we watched The Death of Stalin. I finally saw yes. it. Yes, finally. I've seen this movie before. I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I've been telling you to watch it for a long time. We yes. finally did. Uh, I'll just be brief in my thoughts because I would very much like to hear yours. Yeah. Uh, this movie, just for anybody who doesn't know, it takes place in Soviet Russia in the uh, mid-50s, right after Stalin's death. And it's all about the mad grab for power that all of the various other heads of state in the Soviet Union make. And it stars a mixture of British and American actors, and none of them do any accents or anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's all just them talking normally. Well, some of them, uh, um, Jason Isaacs does an accent, but he's like a, like a Welsh brummy or something. Like it's like a soccer brummy type thing. Right. Um, it's very, very funny. And they're all like playing actual real people. Like, uh, yes. you know, Steve Buscemi is Khrushchev. Uh and the movie is fucking hilarious, as well as like Jeffrey Tambor, uh, Michael Palin. Uh, there's a lot of a really amazing talent in this movie, and they all have great chemistry together. They all work really well. Uh, the script is great. Uh, it's also a really pretty dark. Yeah, <laughs> it, it balances and it balances that darkness pretty well with the humor. It's it's funny enough that you don't totally realize just how fucking dark this movie is. Yeah, I mean that shows. It's not on screen. It's a lot of the violence is off screen, but I mean, it, yes, it definitely, it definitely doesn't skimp on the fact that people were executed and, and beat to death and, you know, all this stuff yeah. under Stalin's rule. And it also kind of hints at, um, Beria, one of the main characters who was sort of the head of the, of the KGB essentially is, is would be his role. It was pre KGB, but that's basically what it was. Yeah. I forgot the acronym, the, vc came uh, whatever the fuck um yeah he there yeah he was a notorious monster serial, serial rapist and mass murderer as well um yes just just under stalin uh on the body count probably and um yes killed a lot of people for stalin and and molested and raped a lot of underage girls and women in general and was just a total monster and uh the movie and it's a happy ending uh, he is <laughs> executed <laughs> at the end of the film uh, as he was in real life. Finally, yes. uh, he, he became the scapegoat essentially. And uh, he is executed and, and burned. And 
uh and then well and then the movie kind of wraps up and it's not so happy but uh <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah uh That's this great. Movie, yeah this movie's fucking hilarious man um i knew it would yeah. be just just jeffrey tambor and steve buscemi alone sold me when i saw the yes. trailers just how bumbling they are and i read that um a lot of true events were downplayed so they wouldn't seem so ridiculous Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, particularly, um, Jason Isaac's character, his medals, uh, in real life, he <laughs> wore like twice as many medals or something crazy <laughs> and they didn't think it'd be believable. So they had to, they had to tone it down. And then, um, Vasily's drinking was also downplayed. Uh, his drunk oh, accents sure, yeah. were, uh, not accents. His drunk antics were downplayed as well to make it more yes. believable in the film. And not have him appear to be this like cartoonish caricature that he was in real life, apparently, um, uh, such as uh, <laughs> such as trying to cover up a plane crash of a youth hockey team by going out and finding yes. replacements uh, before his father found out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of historical horrific events are kind of lampooned in this movie, but also like not totally i mean they are there are serious moments for sure and there are things that are brutal brutal to see and to think about but overall yeah a very hilarious movie um a little easier to follow than in the loop yes in the, in the loop it's the same guy we've talked about in the loop before it's a political yeah. comedy same uh, writer director uh, mm -hmm. this guy also did veep yes it's another one of his shows yes um and yes, in the loop is less of a traditional plot than this movie is. Right. I, I just feel like um, these types of movies can be hard to follow if your attention wanes even slightly. Because uh, yes. it's easy to lose track. I mean, this is a, a cast of, yeah, there's like five main characters, probably. But a lot of other people show up. But there's like, yeah, but there's also like a uh, an ensemble of 12 people that support them. And then there's even more right. people and it's all historical people. So unless you're super familiar with Russian history, probably not going to know who is who or anything like that. And so, yeah, yeah it is kind of hard to follow. I think um, at least being able to recognize the actors playing them as far as like them keeping their original accents and stuff. I think that actually helps a lot. Oh, it totally if does. It was just a bunch of random people speaking in Russian accents or speaking Russian I'd have no fucking clue what's going on with this movie. Yeah, it'd be but... much harder to follow, which I'm sure was part of the part of the idea. And you yeah. know, besides that, just being you know having Jeffrey Tambor say like you know you all can kiss my Russian ass, yeah, just like in his <laughs> American accent, like things like that that are funny in and of themselves. It definitely makes it much easier yeah. to keep track of who is who, even if you don't remember what their character names are. You still know what their characters are and like what they're yes. trying to do. You so it makes it much easier to keep track of. Yes, and you still know you still know the relationships between the characters and how they're playing against each other and who has an alliance with who and all that stuff. So it's easy to yeah. follow. Um, even if you don't remember all the names, which I don't. Um, yeah. Th there's also just some great lines, dude. Like uh, you, you rude fucking pies was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> the character calls somebody calls a group of people rude fucking pies. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just a lot of great one liners. Uh, a lot of great, um physical comedy when stalin first collapses he urinates himself and there's this whole bit about yeah. 
people walking in and not realizing and like stepping in his piss and then like kneeling um, down <laughs> kneeling down to check on him uh and there's there's piss on the rug and all kinds of stuff like that um yeah yeah and i once again just need to reiterate man these fucking people need to make a, a comedy about the trump era yes they do um, which yeah, i don't know i suppose veep probably did like a little bit of that but yeah i would love to see that something that's more directly about the trump white house or something along those lines like Trump himself doesn't even have to be in it. And in fact, it would be a lot funnier if Trump wasn't in it at all. And it was yeah. just all of the other people in his administration. Yeah, that would be funny. Maybe maybe you just like see him in the background or, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, like see from like the behind. back of his head or, yeah. Yeah. get Dude, Jeffrey Tambor could be uh, Mike Pence. That'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> well, Jeffrey Tambor is canceled, if you recall. True. Oh, that's yes. That I forgot. I forgot. Damn it. I think he like assaulted people. Oh my! Like it's no. was like actually legit, as I recall. Oh no! Well, not nothing is sacred. No. Uh, Steve Buscemi could be Mike Pence. Yeah, sure. Thank God Steve <laughs> Buscemi hasn't been canceled. Thank God he's not a piece he's of a, shit. He's a he's a he's a Trevor Trevor treasure. Jesus Steve Christ. Buscemi is Trevor. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's God a national treasure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even care who's in it. But yeah, that'd be that'd be hilarious. Yes, yes. Um, or even just like some, just even a, like a campaign comedy about him versus Joe Biden and just to see like just the lack of um, mental capacity on both of their sides would be funny. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's so much you could do with modern American politics doesn't have to just be trump i mean no not at all whatever um i mean that's essentially what in the loop was doing it was more um just sort of western politics in general than specifically the u.s but i mean and that was in that was commenting on the bush administration that movie was made in like 2007 i think so yeah yeah to see something like with modern american politics would be fucking wild yeah absolutely absolutely yeah, great stuff. What did we watch that? Was that on Hulu or Prime? Uh, Netflix. That's but it's right. only but it's oh. only there uh, for two Tom- more days. Yeah. <laughs> so <it's- laughs> one uh, tomorrow from the day that this airs. So yes, get it while you can. It'll be somewhere else though, presumably. But yeah. yeah, it's even it's probably you know for rent on Amazon Prime. I would I would say it's worth the the rent and stuff as well. Yeah, it was hilarious it, 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 because it's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the whole beginning scene where it's this uh, this concerto being performed and Stalin calls and the concerto is over and he tells them after it's ended, he he needs a recording of the performance that night and someone's on the way to pick it up. So they're scrambling to get the auditorium filled again. They're pulling people off the streets and out of their homes. They're trying to find a, uh, a replacement composer or not a composer, sorry, a conductor. And they go to this, this well-known conductor's house. He thinks it's the fucking like Gestapo there to kill him. Yeah. It's yeah. like, no, because... you need to come with us. You need to fucking conduct this Mozart. And, yeah. and then they scramble to, to reenact or not reenact it, but they scramble to reperform it. And it's that whole set piece was hilarious. Yeah. That's like yeah. the first 10 or 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good stuff good good shit oh it's good shit oh yeah
Anything else, Lee Michael? Um, <laughs> did we miss anything? No, I don't believe we did. I think that about sums it up. Um, Good. <laughs> cool. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, watch those movies. Like and subscribe. Click the notification bell. Leave us a review on Apple. Uh, don't tell our moms about the bad words we said. And if you like oh, this God. and you want to hear more, tune in at the same time next week where we just heard us. Yeah.